All right, and we are here with a uh, another episode of my untitled podcast because I'm too stupid to, too stupid to come up with a fucking title. Um, I have the pleasure of talking to a, a I guess an acquaintance um, that I've known for a few years now, um, Frank. Finale. Oh wait, we're, so we're not friends? Well, we are. I don't know. I don't want to put. Well, goddamn you! I don't want to put labels on it and be all weird and hey. be like, "Well, he's a friend," and you're like, "Not." And like in your head, you're like thinking, "No, not really." <laughs> But you wouldn't know it because I didn't say it. Well, that, I, that's true. But now I know that you think I'm not a friend. <laughs> I see. See, I didn't want to overstep a boundary, and, and here, <laughs> here I am making myself look like an asshole because... Walked straight into that one. I, you know what? I fucking did. I'm an, is, this, is this the way you wanted this to start? Not really, but I mean, fuck it, we're doing it now. <laughs> that's, that's the brilliance of uh, doing a podcast where there, it just goes right <laughs> off the rails in the first 35 seconds. Have you ever seen Paul Heyman do like an interview with like Michael Cole? No, I'm sure I have, but like in the top of my head right now, I'm I'm totally blanking because he just exactly starts every interview something like that, just like calls him out on something ridiculous. Then <laughs> now I'm the I want to be known as the Paul Heyman of I don't know music. I don't uh, that doesn't make sense. Nobody knows who I am besides <laughs> people in the metal world. <laughs> well, all your adoring fans on Lamb Goat know who you are. Oh yeah, they love me. Uh, I think you're right up there with a handful of people I can think of that usually get shit on right away, no matter what it is you do. And I don't even know why. Maybe we could start there. <laughs> why does Lamb Goat hate you? <laughs> uh, because it's not Bane or Converge <laughs> or Between the Buried and Me. I feel like those bands still get buried regardless, no pun intended. No, absolutely not. No? No. So no, how much I'm on Lamb Goat. Just, if anything, they'll just say they're old. That's about it. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I, uh, had been talking to, <laughs> yeah, there's no segueing into anything relevant <laughs> from there. Um, I had, uh, been talking to Frank for a little bit and wanted to do a podcast with him because I, I personally feel like he has a unique story, um, that is interesting to me just from what little bit, uh, of it I know and have, have seen, uh, unfold since I've known him. Um, but I kind of wanted to talk with Frank and, and kind of find out more about who Frank is before I knew him and, and what's led him to this uh, rather interesting life that I think he has, whether he would agree or not. Um, so I guess let's start with uh, the, this, the rudiments of any interview. Uh, who are you? I guess I could say, where do you live? Uh, where are you from? But you're kind of tentatively homeless, <laughs> sort of. Uh, willingly homeless, thank you very much. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll get there too. Um, so yeah, what... Uh, Tell us about yourself. So, uh, I'm 28, going on 29, which means that I'm miserable because I'm almost 30. And I know, <laughs> and I know that you're older than me, so you, that probably makes you feel terrible. No. Well, but well, I mean, that's that's my own that's my own misery inside. I uh, am the, seriously the most terrifying thing to me in the world is getting old. Why? I don't know why. Why is it? Why does that terrify you? I don't know. Have you watched Black Mirror yet? No, I I tried. Wa I watched the one episode where that dude had to, the governor dude had to fuck a pig. <laughs> okay, see that's one of the worst episodes. Oh, okay. See, I thought it was the most interesting so far, and I was like, wow, holy shit, this seems weird and fucked up, and I love it. it it's that one's not bad, but uh, I guess what I'm saying is, um, see, uh, episode four in season three uh -huh. literally literally made me cry my eyes out because of. It's about. It's not about being old per se, but 
I mean, if, if you watch it or if anybody has watched it that potentially listens to this, they'll understand. Regardless, uh, yeah, I'm 28. Um, I don't want to be old, and it terrifies me. That's basically who I am. <laughs> <laughs> you almost are a George Costanza personified then. Yeah, but I'm not racist. Is oh, wait, no, that's uh, Kramer. That's Kramer. I was, like, I was just about ready to go, like, is George Costanza racist? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not fat and bald. Well, no. Not yet, anyway. Well, actually, aren't you? Well, I guess you shaved your own hair willingly, so that's... that's yeah, different. no, I still have a good hairline. <laughs> um, so you I grew, take pride in that. <laughs> you grew up, uh, you were born out in New York? Uh, yeah, born and raised in Long Island. What, uh, what's... How do you... Do you what was growing up in Long Island like? I mean, as someone that's grown up in the East Coast originally, like I feel like it's a completely different environment out there as opposed to kind of anywhere else out in the world I've traveled so far. Uh, I've I've done more tours than I can remember, and honestly, everywhere everywhere looks the same unless you're in like uh like Vegas or. LA or something like that because there's palm trees like that's about it <laughs> yeah I don't know it's it's. I guess I feel I like there's it, more I of a sense of pride who you're, I think it has a lot to do with who you become friends with yeah. um, and the only people I were ever friends with were really stoked on skateboarding and really stoked on metal music and uh, that basically is what shaped me to be who I am today because that's all I do with my life do you actually skateboard? No, uh, I used I used to. I don't have health insurance anymore, so uh, yeah. the last thing I need to do is like hurt myself and then have to pay a ton of money to fix whatever the problem is. Right. Um. So you went to. When did you start doing the band thing? Like just in general? Like was that something you started really young and kind of figured out? Or. Um. I remember. I think I was. If I had to guess. I was in third grade when I started listening to music, and um, I know I went to, I moved to the middle school that I went to and met my best friend when I was, I think it was 2001, Uh, so I guess that's a few, I don't know, that's a few years before that, I don't don't really know, but I know, (laughs) (laughs) but I (laughs) <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I started playing music in 2001 because that was my first band. I was in eighth grade. Uh, that means I was in middle school. Right. I want to say that's. I was. I don't know. Maybe 13 or so. Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah, and uh, I actually. What's funny about me saying the only reason I know those dates, not dates per se, but the the um, years, is because the other day for the holiday for Thanksgiving, I went to my mom's house in Florida and, um, she had a video like on VHS of the first show I ever played at my school dance in 2001, 2002, uh, played in the commons area of the middle school. And I didn't get to watch it yet because nobody in their right mind has a fucking VHS player right now. Actually, um, I have one in the basement that's doing nothing. Of course you do. <laughs> How am um, I going to watch my corn tapes with, uh, without it? Uh, the internet. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just gave you a very plausible answer. Well, I know. Um, 
what was I going with that? Oh yeah, uh, well yeah. I had uh, that's when I started playing. Um, I I could remember it like it was yesterday. This we thought we were like on top of the earth, and it was the coolest thing ever. And if I popped that VHS in right now, I would be the most embarrassed person in the history of the world. Was it originals or did you do covers? It was it was a mixture. We thought because we were like thirteen and we were writing a. We, I think we were put out two EPs or an EP and uh, an EP and like a full length uh-huh. uh, that we, that we were like, oh my god, we're gonna get signed immediately because like we're so young, we're putting out quality music and I like a couple of my friends like joke about it uh, and like say the lyrics or whatever when I'm around like kids that I like literally grew up with that are full grown men now and they know it it doesn't bother me but it's just like they're so bad and so fucking like what's the word uh juvenile I guess you'd say yeah uh that it it makes me laugh hearing it uh but we thought we were like this shit we were like oh yeah we're like 12 and 13 years old and we're already putting out CDs like we're gonna be the next fucking who do I love back then? Like probably Glassjaw. Uh, yeah, I guess that would make sense. But I didn't know how popular or not popular Glassjaw was at that time. You right. Know what I mean, like you think your favorite bands are the biggest bands on earth. <laughs> That's but, true. But they're not. Like I don't know. I know you have a pretty, uh, a pretty good knowledge of underground metal or whatever. There was a band called Antarabe. Name sounds familiar. Yeah, I think maybe they did like some of the weird like, because back in that around that time, like GR was actually a hotbed for like metal and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. So there was a lot of like to like there was always a, a decent metal show, whether it be locals or an, an out of town with a bunch of locals. Uh, yeah. On, but that was back in the days of like awesome show trades that people would do. Well, Antarabe was like a was basically like the biggest local metal band or metalcore, whatever you want to call it, uh, band in Long Island at the time. Uh-huh. Uh, and I thought they were literally the biggest band on earth. And they were just, just like starting to get known anywhere in the world other than Long Island. And I just automatically thought they were the biggest band ever. So I was just like, oh, like we're going to play with this band immediately and there's going to be hundreds of people there and whatever. And, and, and like I, I'd hand out demos and shit at the shows and like it was the worst shit ever. <laughs> <laughs> like I, 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 I would never, ever give that to somebody now and be like, yo, you should listen to this. This is going to blow your mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of weird though. I feel like that's uh... – I don't feel like that exists anymore, though. And, I mean, you two are a lot more and probably have a lot of people trying to hand off demos to bands or you see it when you're on tour, but I, just, I don't feel like that's a thing anymore. Like, no, it doesn't. The, the, the grind of going to other shows, flyering for your own, handing out demos in any realm, whatever. You know, you know what's funny about that? If it does, even though it's so rare, if they do, people get annoyed with it now. It's like yeah. it's like uh, soliciting or whatever you want to yeah. call it. yeah. Like uh, so Edward, yeah. I know that I remember the first time we ever played in Massachusetts. Uh, I don't remember who played per se, but um, first time we ever played, uh, the show was pretty good. I, I, I couldn't believe that we traveled outside of the state to play a show where nobody knew who we were. Um, and Ken from On, On Earth. Earth just What's that? I was to say Ken from Unearth. Yeah. Yeah, Ken from Unearth just happened to be there. I don't know if he watched any of the bands play besides maybe a friend's band of his played or something like that. 
but literally the second I saw him, I grabbed a CD or a demo out of our van and I uh, immediately gave it to him. And I was like, yo, I'm obsessed with your band. Please listen to this. Uh, obviously, it never came to anything because I've never toured with Unearth in my life and nobody in that band knows who I am and I don't know them. <laughs> but but um, I, I don't see anybody doing that now. Uh, actually, the last time I saw anybody doing that shit was like when... Warm tour, I feel like it'd Actually, be a hot no, for people, it. People do that to Frankie a lot, to be honest with you. That that, that happened quite a bunch on this tour. Really? Um, yeah, but Even though it he doesn't have more. a label or anything, like to, to kind of spearhead people doing that? Say that again? I said it's not like he has uh, a label, per se, for him to spearhead putting bands out, so it's kind of weird that people would give him a demo. Yeah, he, he, I think he used to, but not anymore. Oh. Um, regardless, uh, when I was touring with, with Hatebreed and Josta... Yeah. Uh, People did that to Jasta a lot because we would like run his meet and greets and shit like that. But um, he's like a fucking, you know, he, he's, I know for a fact he's helped out with some bands. Obviously he signed my band in 2008 or nine or whatever it was. But um, no, I guess the question, I, I guess that what I'm saying is nobody, nobody does that shit anymore. Everybody just relies on Facebook to create their fucking their image. Persona, whatever. Their destiny, but it's a terrible decision. <laughs> what you mean? Just throwing constant shit on the Facebook wall isn't going to get you signed. And well, actually, I feel like it helped. I prevail, and they're from around here with because the, they did that uh, Taylor Swift cover. But I, I, the only difference I, is, I would say, sorry to cut you off. The only difference with them is, is out of any band I've ever seen that's trying to hop on this, like do a popular cover but metal it up or whatever, is when they got everyone's attention. Then it was like, hey, by the way, here's a whole brand new fucking record, like that they had already been working on and it was done. It wasn't like, oh, here's our old shit and we're not doing anything. It was like, oh, by the way, we got all these fans. We signed to a smaller label. We have a whole new record ready to go and we're hitting the road. And it was like. Wow, someone with a plan that actually executed it pretty pretty well. Uh, but, but I think that's far and few between, obviously. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's all about who sees it. Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe they put a bunch of money bef- behind the cover or whatever. If we're talking that, about that band still, or just maybe just in general, both. Um, I think it depends on who sees it because I worked with. Uh, Chelsea Grin for what uh, six months out of this year, yeah, and they did a corn cover that I never heard before. Wasn't it? Was it for that I like Kerrang yeah, thing or whatever? Corn is in Taylor Swift or whatever, but no. And I think that I, was the thing with at least the I Prevail cover is that everyone was like, "Hear this popular Taylor Swift song done in metal," and it's like, "Yeah, that's not to be expected." And it actually sounded halfway decent, so. It's, yeah, it's just weird that that's a, it's weird that that's I can't, a thing. I can't get behind that because the band fucking, I don't know who they are. I don't care really who they are. <laughs> uh, it's just not my style. It's, I think it's just, uh, it's very typical about what's going on and what's popular nowadays. Oh, for sure. Um, which I, I genuinely can't stand, uh, because I, I've always said it, I, every band I've ever been in, we're, we've never reinvented the wheel. But we never exactly did something mega popular to the time frame either because I, I, I don't fucking know. There's, well, I don't know. I guess that's that's a good launching off point. Like to, I'd like to think that it would it would it would stand out a little bit more because it doesn't sound just like everything fucking else that's going on. But I've been completely wrong because 
uh, it just the I guess my my plan of action never has worked, or nobody wanted to get behind it in a major way, uh, which is depressing if you really think about it. But uh, then again, if I, if I never did any of the things that I've uh, done in my playing career, it wouldn't I wouldn't have any money right now, I wouldn't have a career outside of playing music still in the music industry without what I've done. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'm going off on a tangent here, but no, I mean, that's pretty much what a podcast is, is a a free form tangent. And and then you just pick things up that are interesting and and go with it. But I was gonna say actually kind of a few things you brought up in, in your tangent there are a few things I wanted to hit on. So you had already talked about, you know, doing, being in a band in like middle school and, and actually putting out music, which is kind of shocking. Like it doesn't seem like bands that young are, have the mentality to, I don't necessarily want to say hone your craft because maybe you didn't really take it seriously, but at least enough to go somewhere, get a recording and be able to hand out your music to, to whoever, uh, and at least have the wherewithal to do that. But and maybe we're skipping a few of the the bands to get to uh, the world we know, um, which is the band that. You... <laughs> What'd you just say? What was that? So what'd you just call it? Wasn't it, it the world we know? No. <laughs> the world we knew. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, new, whatever. Oh, you just fucked it up big time. Well, I'm also. So here, so here we go. We're not friends, and you don't know the band name. <laughs> Well, you know, I, I told you I was going to look up a bunch of your interviews, and when I saw the one of you at a pizza place, I was like, nah, fuck this. <laughs> well, yeah. But no, yeah. I was going to say, um, but uh, <laughs> to be fair, though, that's not even how I know you, so like, I had, like, that's more backtracking stuff for me, like, because oh, yeah, you were already true. done at that point, like, I, I knew you as Frank, the booking agent hitting me up for shows, not Frank as the dude who's been in this band that was signed to Josta's label for however many years and yeah. has, has done these <laughs> that, tours. That is very true. Um, so, I mean, that's my bad that I, I fucked it up, but no, I don't I'll care. tell you a funny story when we're not on this that will also show that I do this quite often, um, fucking things up by one letter. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but no, I was going to say you, uh, you ended up doing that band. Uh, how, how many other bands was it before you got to starting that one? Which the world we knew. Yep. Uh, it was, that was the second, uh, no, I take that back. That's the third band I was ever in. Okay. Um, the first band I was in, uh, I won't say the names because the last thing I want is anybody to ever really like go f- try to find it. I don't think it's even findable, to be honest with you, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there's a MySpace page for it somewhere. No, it's not. That's before MySpace existed. Oh, so it's on Zanga? Before, it's before Friendster even existed. Uh, oh, existed. shit. Yeah. Uh, Got that bomb-ass cassette somewhere? I know we had CDs. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Ah, there, you know, there might be a cassette somewhere, but <laughs> um, regardless, the the first band was kind of like a uh, how do I even describe it? Like, <laughs> like a fucking like a three eleven. Oh wow, that is not where I thought you were going. <laughs> <laughs> well, get, just hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> Like a 311 slash. Please say Limp Bizkit. Really poorly written corn. Alright. So you were kind of in that new, new metal y something. Yeah, thing. it was like a, a really piss poor mix. 
<laughs> then throw throw like a little bit of glass jaw in there because that's what we like we heard and we were like oh my god we have to start playing like heavier stuff and then that was awful so uh <laughs> <laughs> so uh i i don't know how i, th- I think what's funny about that is i think i got kicked out because i just wasn't a very good singer and i was trying to sing like literally right. trying to sing uh and it was just it was so terrible and um after that, well, we started. Just, we I tried to scream a little bit as well. So after that, I don't know. Uh, I started meeting people at shows or whatever because I started going to shows more often, like local shows. Uh-huh. And um, I met a couple kids that started a band called Everything True Collapses. Okay, sounds and, like a uh, band name of the time. What's that? I said that definitely sounds like a band name of the early two thousands. Yeah, and. Uh, I, if I had to guess, that's 2003. That's my my general guess on that. I could, you know, it might be 2004 also, but I know the word we used started in 2004. Um, I just don't remember the time frame of when we, that band or when I quit that band and started the word we knew. But so with everything true collapses, we started to play a lot of local shows with heavier bands, which is something I didn't do with um, the other one, the other one, because we weren't that heavy. And I was like, we're going to look like fools if we play with these bands. (laughs) And, um, I started at the same time I started that band. I started working for like the leading promoter in Long Island, as far as like underground metal goes or whatever. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Just like, who was big at that time? Like, for I'll just give you an example because people will understand. Uh, it was like Suicide Silence's first tour ever in right. the in this like first full U.S. tour. The promoter that I worked for, he would book stuff like that. Okay, and um, I started working the door for him a lot, and um, we would sell tickets. And I was still in high school, and I would I would just sell it to all my friends, and my friends were like, "Oh my god, this band is actually pretty cool." Because that band actually wasn't bad at all. The the, the dudes that were in the band knew exactly what they were doing, for the most part. They weren't the best players by any means, but like we knew how to write songs, and they were like kind of spastic, uh-huh. uh, mixed with like a little bit of Hope's Fall and a little bit of... Uh, Jesus, I don't even know what. But we, we put in the groundwork, I guess, and that, that, got, a little bit of ground, uh, that, that got a little bit of traction in the local scene. And, uh, it, like I said, it didn't hurt that I worked for that guy, but through that, um, I met another band that was doing pretty well at the time. They were full, they were filled with like really young, young guys, younger than I was. And I was like, what, 16, maybe even younger. And, uh, shit, I don't even know. Uh, oh, their <laughs> band was about to break up and we were, I was just kind of over what we were doing because it's they were they were trying to get it to be like a little too light and that's funny to hear me say now because uh at the time i was like i just need 400 breakdowns (laughs) 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 and now i'm just like all right let's maybe maybe one (laughs) right but uh i don't know we i quit that band uh, we played, I think the last show I played with that band, Everything Should Collapses, was with Dead to Fall, Haste Day, and Martyr AD Sweet. at a church. Yep, sounds about right. <laughs> in like 2003, 2004. Yeah. 
and um, the band that the other band that was going to break up where we were just going to blend the two with different members. Uh, their last show was with Azalea Dying, Kimza, and all that remains in like a two hundred cap bar. Sweet. And there were like maybe fifty people there. That kind of this yeah. is how long ago that was. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we that show ended. They got off stage, and I was like, "Yo, we got to start this band because." I think all of us together is really smart, whatever, whatever, whatever. And we show up to practice one day, we write our first song, and it was way cooler than anything we've done with any of the previous bands. And there's a video it on there's a video of it on I think MySpace of us playing it live or whatever. And it's still to this day the craziest uh pile up thing I've ever seen or I've ever <laughs> even been a part of. Uh the song was called Lonely Hearts Killer. And that's the first song the where we knew ever wrote uh, in like 2004. I probably skipped a whole mess of stuff that doesn't matter. But, uh, <laughs> no, that's fine. I mean, I, I was I was in the right place, right time because I started working for a promoter that did this shit regularly, and then thankfully we started writing better songs and whatever, and people started to care. But uh, what's very odd about the local scene that I've noticed. I don't maybe I don't know about now because I don't do that shit anymore. But um, once we started to go outside of Long Island, people stopped giving a shit in Long Island, and we'd come home and we'd be like stoked to play at home, and it'd be like nobody, fifty people, and like we'd sell a shirt kind of thing, and like previous to that, <laughs> we were selling like we'd sell like seven hundred dollars worth of hoodies and shit like that, and like I was just like I don't understand how this happens. I don't even get it. <laughs> Um, so at what point, uh, and forgive me if I, if I've misunderstood, I think you posted something about this and I either, I might've read it wrong or I, I have it correctly uh, remembered. That's not a, that's not a way to say that sentence either way. Um, but when you had gotten your knuckles tattooed, uh, when I think you were out in Vegas or whatever on, what was it? Warp tour. Um, it doesn't matter what tour it is, I guess really in the grand scheme of things, but that you had said something about that you didn't finish high school. Yeah, I uh, I dropped out of high school in uh, my senior year. Was that to pursue the band thing, like more full yeah. on and, and kind of go in on that? Yeah. So with the first lineup, we definitely made a name for ourselves locally. We did. We started doing really, really well locally, and we were like one of the top local bands of the genre. As far as I, I thought, well, at least I, I thought so because we always drew people and we always did really well. This is before we started touring, like I said. Um, and then that's, I think that's around the, yeah, MySpace was out then and we were just trying to play anywhere else or I was trying to play anywhere else. And my guys were really, that was like really hard for them to do because a couple of them like played lacrosse a lot and the other two were like really big into drugs <laughs> <laughs> and like I, we, we just couldn't see eye to eye on it so I was like alright well um, you know I'm, I want to play out I want to start playing away and uh, I don't remember how the fuck that happened but I think I said I was going to quit so we just broke up for a little while maybe we, I don't really know if we even called it breakup or whatever but I just started grabbing people from other local bands, honestly. And I was just like, hey, do you want to tour? I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I started messaging promoters all over the country 
or not promoters. I'm messaging. Uh, I started messaging bands from all over the country, being like, "Hey, I'll swap uh, promoter information with you if you give me yours, and you know, hopefully you can get shows here and we can get shows there, whatever." I didn't want to do any show swaps with people because I didn't like the guy who I worked for. He didn't fucking care. He wasn't gonna book just anybody. Dying Inferno from Indiana. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> That's a good quick name that I just made up that's sweet somebody can take that for them if you want to <laughs> there was I'm trying to remember what there was actually a band that I saw play at a hookah bar when I lived in Kalamazoo and I forget what their name was something like Infer- Furnace something Dying Furnace or something like that if I could go look at my CDs real quick I could pull it up because it's, it's kind of funny I have it but the fucked up thing was is a few years later when I was in a band for a hot minute uh, the one of the bands we used to play with all the fucking time it was his, like, dad's band. So I had seen his dad play this, like, just kind of, like, heavier Pantera-esque kind of shit in a fucking coffee house that no one gave a fuck about. Oh, and yeah. then it's, like, you know, six, seven years later, here I am playing with his kid, and, like, they're in, like, one of the bigger uh, bigger metal bands, like, in our area. And it's just, like, you know, it's crazy to be like, wow. I I saw your dad. Now I'm playing with you. <laughs> the world we knew once shut down a coffee shop in Maryland uh, <laughs> because kids were getting too rowdy. So the guy unplugged us, and my bass player got in his face and fucking started screaming at him. And people were putting holes in the walls and shit. And then I ended up hooking up with his daughter in the bathroom. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> well, it was it was awesome. Someone got a tip. Yeah. The guy who owned the place, I hooked up with his daughter in the bathroom after we basically shut the place down. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was the, uh, the early years of the band? How, uh, I mean, it sounds like you, you pretty much got people that were ready to, to commit to, to hitting the road. Um, was it kind of a... seems like at least with you doing shows and having kind of promoter contact info over the years of doing shows, was it a little bit easier to get going with the band when you had people who were ready to commit or was it still a struggle oh yeah um i don't like i said i don't know how the transition happened i really don't remember i don't think it matters too much as far as the band's history goes but uh we got a couple of we got a couple of people that wanted to actually start playing away from home because we were all in not failing local bands but local bands that weren't doing anything outside of long island so um I just started gathering as many contacts as I could across the country, and uh, our first tour ever was in 2006. Um, we went up and down the East Coast. We went as far as Virginia Beach from New York, which is like a nine-hour trip, um, and it was like a week. It was like a week long. I still have the tour pass from it. I forget how many dates it was, but it was. It was just the coolest fucking thing to ever happen um, because nobody that I knew on a personal level have, has done that before at that time, uh, and nobody my age. Also, I was in I was in uh, I was a senior in high school, uh, still in high school, but I was barely. That's what we were getting at because I, I dropped out. Um, that's what we were talking about. But yeah. um, that was like that was mid senior year, and I remember I came back from that tour, which was a complete disaster. Our van died, and we had to like. <laughs> <laughs> our uh, our van died and we had to like live in a Hugh Hall for a day or two because we couldn't 
bring our dead van back home with us. So that van stayed somewhere in Virginia, I guess. I don't really know. <laughs> so that van, that van could still be in Virginia somewhere. I don't know. That's 10 years ago. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, once I got back from that tour, I remember my, my guidance counselor or whatever would bring me in every couple of days to be like, Hey, how you doing? Like, are you going to ever do your homework and stuff? <laughs> and I was like, I basically was like, no, I just got off tour. Like I could do this forever. <laughs> and they were like, and they were like, what does that even mean? And I was like, I just played shows all up and down the East coast for like a week. She goes, all right, but that's, you know, can that, like, can that last? And I was like, I don't know, but I, I love it. So I'm going to do that. And I just stopped. I swear to God, I just stopped going to school. The only time I would go was to, um, and this sounds ridiculous, but <laughs> my, my mom was pretty awful at everything in my teen years and didn't have much money ever and worked really shitty jobs. And we lived in a really, really small apartment. Um, so she worked out some deal where like, I only had to pay $1 for food or something like that uh -huh. for lunch every day. So I would literally go, <laughs> I'd go to school at like 10 AM or whatever to go play badminton <laughs> at, at lunch at, uh, at gym. And then after badminton, I would play softball outside <laughs> and then I would go to lunch eat lunch for a dollar and then go home and sleep again. Sounds like you were practicing the lifestyle you would end up living. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I am, I'm dead serious when I say that, like my, my guidance counselor would be like, you have to like start coming or else you're going to be like, you're not going to graduate. And I was like, yeah, but I don't want to do work. <laughs> I don't want to like, I'm not doing homework. This is, it's just all, it's, it's ridiculous to me. I don't like it. I, I, I don't see myself doing it. I'm not going to go to college. And she's like, you're not going to go to college. I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm not saying this is the, the way to go, <laughs> but, but for me, I, I hated school so much that you'd have to literally pay me some substantial amount of money to even have me think about going to finishing out my high school years and then going to college. Uh, especially after that first tour that we did, I just, I, I started playing shows and it just, it made so much sense to me that that's what I was like put here to do kind of thing. I don't really know. No, it makes sense. Um, and that's really like something I wanted to, I kind of, when you told that story about when you got your, your knuckles tattoo, which for those obviously who won't be able to see it cause it's not that kind of a medium, uh, your knuckles say underdog. Um, and I think that story kind of represents, you know, why to a degree. Um, and maybe some of the more, more of the stuff we'll get to in a few minutes, but um, I think it's interesting, you know, that at such a young age, you know, and co collectively that, you know, still being a senior in high school, it's, it's young. You don't, a lot of people don't know what they're doing. A lot of people waste time in college, not knowing what the fuck they're going to do with their lives. So at that, at that age to, to kind of know, like, this is what I want. I'm, I feel like this is what my purpose is. Like, I think that's really interesting because I don't know very many people who have found that out about them at such a young age and then just went all in, um, especially before 
the age of the internet per se, where it's like you can just, you know, have a wealth of information at your fingertips to show you like a YouTube video on how to do it. It's like, especially given the fact that it's music and it's all completely subjective to a multitude of things that make no fucking sense. If you try to recreate the exact same things again, you'll get different results. So the fact that you were willing to go all in on it, uh, really, it's kind of inspiring and interesting to, to hear. Um, at least I think so. Um, that being I, don't, I don't even know how to do anything outside of what I'm doing now, which is scary, but at the same time, it's been working. <laughs> well, I was going to say, the thing that's interesting to me, though, is, and like I had kind of was prefacing earlier in this past week when kind of talking about doing this, was to me, it's like, you know, you, you went all in on, the, on doing music and it made you happy and you, you liked doing it, so you did it, and then... And I guess this kind of gets to to kind of where with the whole getting signed with uh, your band, but it's like you got to a level with the band where you know you got signed and, and with a pretty big name within the industry, especially at the time uh, that Josta had his label. That we were signed before that too. Oh, were you? Yeah, yeah, we we were on a, a label before that as well, uh, but Josta was the one that actually like I don't know broke us in a little bit more. Right, had more of a name value behind it. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Um, but to me, it's like, you know, a lot of people would, especially back then, because we were all young and stupid and, you know, the horror stories of, like, Victory Records and how they fuck everyone over, like, wasn't so widely available to see for everyone uh, to know what it's like to be in a signed band. But, you know, a lot of people would say that that's making it. You made it when you got signed. And I think to anyone who's been in that position will tell you that's where the real work begins. Uh, and everything you've done before it is insignificant. Um, so what was what was it like to kind of get some of the recognition that you didn't quite attain with the other bands? And uh, you know what was it like? You know, being on Josta's label and being able to you know kind of maybe get better tours and and be a higher profile band. Um, and then I guess what happened? Why did that band stop? Because I mean. I'm sure there are variables there too, but I don't know that that's really ever been discussed. I'll, I'll try to I'll try to break it down in <clears throat> into three different sections, um, and those different sections are the three different labels that we were on in a matter of, or from 2007 to 2011. I guess 12. Okay. Um, so the first record that we released, um, we released under a label called Seven Dagger Records, which was a straight edge label. Okay. Uh, ran by, ah, shit, I don't even know his last name. That's hilarious for me to say because we've been calling him Danny Sober forever. They, you know, everybody <laughs> that knows him calls him Danny Sober. Uh, and still a very good dude, still a great friend of mine, but, uh, he just put minimal money into, bands that he liked which is very admirable because it's not like he he ran some major in indie label major indie label you know what i mean right uh, um he it's not like he ran some big indie label um that everybody loved and got behind because of the band that were on it they were just straight edge hardcore bands and we happen to be the only straight edge metal band on the label which is why he liked us in the first place um but in 2007 and 2008, 
when he hit us up in 2007, uh, we had two different offers. One some was hilariously from another straight edge label that was like notoriously bad or the contract was like notoriously terrible. So we were like looking at it like, ah, oh, this isn't, this isn't a good sign, but maybe we should do it anyway because we don't have any other option <laughs> and we also had, don't have any other money. So maybe we should do that. And, uh, Danny hit us up literally like a week later and we were like, holy shit, like there's no strings attached here. We could do basically whatever we want, but he'll give us the money to record and et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, all right, let's do that instead. Um, so phase one was basically put out this record, be the only metal band on a straight edge label and literally tour until we functionally cannot do so anymore. So from 2007 and 2008, we played, I, I don't even know how many shows, but we played more tours and shows independently without a booking agent, without a manager than any other band that I knew in that position, period, the end. And I, <laughs> I swear to God, like it, it was, it was almost disgusting because, but it probably showed, and maybe this is what happens for phase two, but probably showed that you wanted it more than anybody else at, at the same time. Yeah, I, I guess so. Um, that's I, what's funny is I listened to that CD again recently. The CD was called Exordium. We put it out in 2007. You can still, I think you can still buy it on Seven Dagger Records. Uh, I don't know if it's .com or whatever. I'm sure people can Google it. Um, uh, I listened to it the other day. Uh, I won't say why, but I listened to it the other day because I just wanted to hear like what it sounded like again, and it's like it sounds fucking awful. <laughs> But, but there were like some really cool fucking riffs on it, and I, I didn't know what I was doing. I was screaming my head off. But like, if you listen to it, I I don't know what the fuck was going on. Uh, I just kind of got through it. <laughs> um, but it was around that time when like deathcore was getting super super popular. So like, we just kind of fit into it. Um, if we maybe signed to a different label, who, who knows if if. You know, things would have gotten bigger, but we just toured so much that people started to pay attention regardless of whether they liked us or not. Um, so that leads to, I, I know we played a weird benefit show in Delaware once. That's where I'm from. Really? Yeah, Dover. Jesus. Delaware? Yeah. God. Well, Delaware. <laughs> I mean, that is that is why I have a Wawa tattoo on my arm, because I'm from fucking Delaware. Yeah. Well, we played this weird, I don't know what it was for, but it was a a benefit show for something <clears throat> in Delaware. It was our first time ever playing in Delaware. And the promoter hits us up and goes, hey, um, you guys do all right in Jersey? I was like, yeah, we do okay in Jersey. Uh, well, come to Delaware. We want you to play this festival thing. Uh, Freya... And, wow, I haven't heard that name in a while. And Jamie Josta, under his solo project, is going to be playing the show, and you'll you'll be right under Freya or whatever. And I was like, oh my god, like Carl from Earth Crisis is in that band, and holy shit, Josta is in Hatebreed, and I've loved Hatebreed ever since I was thirteen. Right? Uh, yeah, absolutely, we'll play that. And I'll never forget that we were in like I swear to God, like a nine hundred cap hall and it was like nearly empty I swear to god it was like empty 
Oh, that's you. I was like, I hear a cat. Where the fuck is this cat? Yeah, no, that, that's me. Sorry. And then, and no, Allie just started barking, so I'm like, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so we, yeah, so we play, we play in this like 900 cap venue, and it's like nearly empty, and we put on an okay show, but like the best we can do in front of like 100 people in a huge room. <clears throat> and um, I remember after the set, uh, Carl and Jamie came over to me. And just said good set or whatever it was, but I just I, I like couldn't fucking believe that they like even paid attention. And looking back in it now, I I I would be dumbfounded if they watched more than thirty seconds of the set. You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> I just I know how that shit works now. I'm pretty sure nobody really watched it. <laughs> right. Jamie Jamie probably looked at it like for a minute and was like, okay, they're not pieces of shit. They they can probably play their songs. Like uh, I I saw what I needed to see. You know what I mean? Right. So, a few weeks later, I wake up for work at like six in the morning, and uh, I was living in my my guitar player's basement at the time because I uh, I moved out of my house the same year I dropped out of high school, uh-huh. and this is like this is like a year or two or no like maybe three years after the fact now. Um, so I was working at Journeys, and I waked up I was waking up really early um, to catch the bus because I didn't have a I didn't have a car or anything like that. Um, and I checked my email before I was taking a shower and I checked my email and I had a, an email from Jamie Josta. Um, and I thought it was a joke because <laughs> I mean, why the, why in the absolute hell would Josta have my email number one and number two be emailing me like at all. And, um, he just, he basically asked us what we were doing for the next record and I was just, dumbfounded at the fact that that would be a real situation in my life. Um, so I guess phase two was basically just putting out a record that people would actually hear. You know what I mean? Right. Taking it more seriously. And, yeah. And I, we might have had a, a, a an agent or something like that, but we didn't have a manager. We've never in the history of the world when you had a full team around us that actually gave a shit. And I say I say that very sincerely because there has been there's been a few times where people didn't truly didn't fucking care at all about us besides maybe the you know the people who listened to us or whatever and we just we were just kind of hoping that they did so we gave them the position of said manager or said agent or whatever like that um so we wrote a record that i thought was pretty fucking good and uh I guess people started to hear it, but we didn't really get too far because, uh, I mean, Jamie is in Hapery. Jamie is, it's, it, that's his baby. That's his moneymaker. That's how he survives. So his label is pretty much put on the back burner once Hapery put out whatever record that was coming out at that general time frame. That's the way I, I look at it. Well, as I say, and I think around that time too, it was the revival of Headbangers Ball too. So it's like he's doing a label, Headbangers. I think Kingdom of Sorrow probably had started at that point too, so he's yeah, like just yeah. overdoing it in all facets of his yeah. creative outlets. Yeah. So I mean it it was it was really good because we were one of the only bands on the label at the time that was full time. We were a full time band. We especially when that record came out. I think I quit my job at Journeys and <laughs> we just yeah, I know, big time. Uh we just once again, started touring as much as we possibly could. And I remember we got, po- well, actually, I don't even know who, who made it, but 
there were posters for that record that said the war when you the cd title had a picture of us on it whatever and then like before you know like when you get promotional posters and they have an empty spot on a bottom that yeah. says like appearing at or whatever yeah R said on tour forever <laughs> <laughs> i don't know who <laughs> who made it or whatever but R said on tour forever and that's literally what it felt like because I, just, I that's I think that's around the time I started booking tours because I knew certain like no since if nobody was going to give a shit about us somebody had to and I was going to be that person right so uh, I just literally put us on tour as much as we possibly could and right after that record came out a couple of things that were cool started to happen and um, Jamie got us a couple of cool tours with like Throw Down and Barrier Dead and uh, that's awesome Winds of Plague Despised Icon stuff like that. Um, that was really cool, but that was at the time where I thought, like, okay, well, we got signed. We put out a record that is in stores, even though I don't think I've ever seen it in stores ever, literally. <laughs> and that's, I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I said that. I still don't think I've ever seen one of my CDs in stores, even though two. In theory, it could have been. I don't know if three out of uh, three out of three were in stores, but I know definitely two out of three were in stores. And to this day, I don't think I've ever seen one anywhere, period. Um, but I was like, oh, oh my God, like this is happening. I can't believe it. We've, we've once again made it. And then transferring into the third one before we signed to another label, I started to quickly realize that it's just not how the world makes it out to be. (laughs) (laughs) You mean once you get signed, you don't get a fuckload of money and don't have to do anything and you just get paid to... I definitely didn't think we'd be making money. But well, then I you're one of the few. <laughs> I definitely thought that we would be able to mellow out a little bit on our work and just focus on touring. Uh, how do I say that correctly? I didn't want to have to do it all ourselves anymore. Right, to have a team behind you that is helping. Yeah, I thought I thought for sure that once we put out that next that second record, that it wouldn't just be the five members of the world we knew and somebody put out a record. Like I thought for sure that, okay, there's kids all over the country now and maybe other countries, uh, that like this band, we do pretty well on tour. We're not in debt. Like this is it. This is the time where we, we go up and that still didn't really happen. So I don't know. Once again, I don't know where the fuck, the the transition period happened but somewhere between record two and record three um we started to all hate each other (laughs) couldn't be the endless touring yeah i don't know It, it also couldn't have been me sleeping in my friend's basement for years without any money and not doing anything with my life uh and that's total sarcasm that i was a piece of shit i was literally a waste of waste of life like i wasn't doing anything i was just sitting in my friend's basement hoping for things to happen we all just hung out too much and didn't do anything so it it, it just it, it was pretty pathetic of me um and so I, I i think i made a little bit of money on whatever tour i was on and then i decided to get my own apartment because it was getting pretty rough um, living at my friend's house because their family had some problems and I was 
feeling pretty sorry for myself and I just didn't want to be a mooch anymore. So I got my first apartment and, um, around that time, me and Tim, the guitar player who now plays in Fit for an Autopsy. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, Tim and I lived together in that apartment area. Like, uh, we lived like two rooms away kind of thing. Um, we were just like, all right, well, we're not going to be in this band anymore unless we kick out so and so. So we ended up revamping the whole band and then starting all over again. And then some another label hit us up because they wanted to know what we were doing and what our contractual situation oh. was with Josta, right? Which didn't really exist. Like there was no, there's barely any contact at that general time after the CD's been out for like a year or two, whatever it was. Um, so I hit up Josta and I was, and I was just like, yeah, I think we're gonna do this record with a different you know, with a different label. And he's like, yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> and I, was like, <laughs> I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, there goes that. So, <laughs> so, uh, a label called Blackheart group started, which was basically the, one of the, one of the managers of Azalea dying at the time. Mark or is it Mark Lewis and Vaughn something or other? No, see before that. Oh, okay, so okay. Or maybe, maybe, maybe I don't really. You know what? I I'm not exactly sure, but he was he was very much affiliated with the mag- management duties of Azalea Dying. Okay. In in some way, shape, or form, it happened to where it, it, I don't know whatever it was, but I was like, holy shit! Like finally, finally, somebody fucking. Like, maybe with some pull around here, you know what I mean? Right. And don't get me wrong, Josta did plenty for us uh, at the time, but once once it came to Hatebreed season, you know, right. ship, ship turned around. So that's where I, you know, I, I'm going to stand with that forever. Um, but uh, I was like, okay, finally, this guy does it for a living. Like, this is his, this is his thing. He's a manager. He also starting this label. They're going to sign No Bragging Rights. They're going to sign... Uh, Molotov Solution, they're going to sign this band and this band, whatever. He, they had like a couple of pretty Handful of bands, yeah. up and coming heavy, heavy hitters coming up pretty soon. And I was like, oh, cool. He wants us to be a part of it as well. So phase three was kind of like, okay, uh, this is our last, last chance. Like we're going to start with a new, with a new lineup of people besides myself and Tim. And then, uh, we're going to put out a, a record that just evolved even better. It's going to sound better. It's going to be better writing and this, that, the other thing. And that's another thing. I listened to that a couple of days ago and that, that's, it, it's, it's fucking cool. It's a good, I, I don't know. Maybe good it's just sounding me. record. Yeah. Like maybe it's just me because it's my, it's one of my records and like it, I want to, you, you know, I want to be proud like, of what I, I want to be proud of what I did, you know? Do you feel like maybe it's just because at that point you had had more experience doing it? So now going into it, you, at the time you were able to take it more seriously, have more any idea of how to do what you wanted to do and, and kind of get it all to come out. And that's why yeah. it still actually sounds good. As opposed to you saying like on the high school series, like I had no fucking clue what I was doing. I just was making noise. And it's like, yeah, pretty much like I, over, over the time of me touring, I finally started to scream properly. And like, I, I figured out how to sing a little bit. And like, I knew what was going on. I knew how to work a crowd. Like I know how to fucking, command a fucking room of people like it's 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 a no-brainer at this point in my career and i'm like okay so we're gonna put out a new fucking record that slays and finally we have somebody behind us that makes sense and here we go off to the races and we did like 
one or two pretty good fucking tours and then literally it was all just back to where we started and like the label I know I'm like I'm missing some things here but nothing super important like the label after one year literally started to crumble from the inside out and had problems with like their partners or whatever right their fine I don't know if it was like their financial partners or whatever and it was like we couldn't find the fucking CD anywhere period and our first sales week was mediocre because apparently it wasn't available in half the places like and yeah it wasn't in half the places that it was supposed to be and whatever whatever and um <clears throat> it was just it was becoming abundantly clear again for the third time that just when you thought or just when i thought things were fucking killer and i was like okay sweet this cd finally sounds fucking awesome the songs are really strong our single that we put out was killing it like well in our terms at least <laughs> uh i was like this is this is the fucking this is it and once again it just kind of fell fell beneath our feet and i remember sitting down walking up to the my buddy's apartment uh tim and i was just like listen like i just I just don't see this making any sense anymore. There's no reason for us to put out a fourth record if we can't even get people to listen to our new demos. Like it's like, it's like I don't really know what to do with this anymore. Right. What uh So at that point that was that would kind of bring it to the the end of the band. It was just kind of an, a let it kind of die kind of thing. Yeah, we weren't in debt to anybody That's in good. any way shape or form. Uh whatever contracts we had were fulfilled or didn't exist or didn't matter anymore. Right. Uh, because the company's either folded or whatever it was. <clears throat> and there was no better time for us to just be like, to just kill it, just to fucking take it out back and punch it in its goddamn throat until it died. Was it one of those weird things where, cause like it's so, too, so often, and like I kind of saw it with like, because I just ho- literally housed the uh, expire farewell tour thing that they were doing the small run of house shows, and it seems like every show that they're doing right now is packed as fuck, and everyone's like coming out, and it's like I don't know if it was like that for them before or whatever, but did you find that like on your tour that it's like, all right, we're calling it a day, we're gonna do this like final run of shows, and then everyone's coming out of the woodwork to fucking support, and you're like, well, where the fuck were all of you? Was it like that, or is it more like a it ended the way it kind of had been the whole time, where it's like, eh, yeah, we're here, and yeah, people. no, it wasn't. It after the like midway through the tour, I remember Tim and I looking at each other, just like, "Yep, this is this is it." <laughs> like, <laughs> it was just like, "Yep, all right, cool." <laughs> I don't know. It there obviously were some shows that like made it all worth it, and like I definitely like got teary eyed at and shit like that, but it was. It was a whole lot of depression and reality hitting me at one time, kind of thing. I was just like, and I'll, ne- I'll never get over it because I think uh, I think we didn't get even half of the recognition that we particularly deserved. And this is me just maybe sounding uh, jaded, but like a lot of the people that I work with now in the industry, in in what I do, like I tour manage now, uh, a lot of people that I work with now didn't give us a time of day like literally at all and uh even when we were working harder than most of the bands that i even still 
know that are doing big things nowadays. Like, and that maybe that's me just like I don't really know. Uh, maybe that's me just being jealous or whatever. Uh, but it's I I just I just remember working super 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 hard and getting like literally the bare minimum helped for us or with us. You know what I mean? Right. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. I think, uh, and it's it's funny that so far, like in, in listening to you during this conversation, something that you've kind of hit on a couple of times is like, you talk about like, I don't want to do, I don't want to do the work. I didn't want to do this. I was kind of lazy and a piece of shit and just waiting for things to happen. Yet the fucked up thing is since I've known you personally, that's not who you are. Like you seem to always be like on the move, hustling and like in a good way, not like fucking people over hustling but um hustling and just constantly you know doing whatever you kind of set your mind to and you know it's interesting to hear that there was a time where apparently that wasn't the case because it's it's definitely not who i it's not what i see in you when when i see your like when i do get the chance to see you when you come around you always seem like you're someone that's very motivated and very uh determined to to get whatever it is you're you're after so i mean we were I, I was one of the only guys who really put forth the effort to try to get tours booked or talk to agents or talk to managers or talk to labels or send our demos out or whatever it was, whatever it may have been. Um, and it worked three separate times, I guess. Um, but I was, I tried to sit back a couple times so somebody else could potentially help us out and do the work. And it failed every single time. You know what I mean? And that's not that's not always the case, of course. Like, you know, you get the one person that'll fucking do the job right. Uh, a lot of bands do, obviously, or else there wouldn't be a music scene in general. Right. Um, but um, for us, it just didn't happen that way. So we did work a lot, my, like, by myself to get what we needed to do. I know we did, we did 40 tours as the world we knew 40 literally 40 extensive tours not weekends not one-off dates not festivals like we did 40 extensive tours and that's with maybe one or two booking agents in between myself and if i had to guess there was maybe five between five and ten tours that somebody else got us or booked for us everything else was done by me crazy so you, I guess you, you didn't know me back then, uh, but we were we worked just as hard. Just when I did try to sit back and and hope something would go our way uh, with somebody else's guidance, it just never fucking worked out. So I did stop caring because I was just like, well, what the fuck do I do now? You know, if if, if it's not working because I'm doing it, it's not working because somebody else is doing it. Why waste my time anymore? Right. What uh? So around that time, and again, I might have my timeline slightly mis mis uh misinformed, but I believe right after you were ending that, was that when you started up uh your your clothing company? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How did? Yes. I mean, because that's that's a rather. I mean, back in the day too. Like, I mean, now you know everybody in a fucking band has a clothing company and so on and so forth. But I feel like back then it wasn't really a viable avenue that most people would be like, oh, I'm in a band. People 
tentatively know who I am or whatever. So I'm gonna put shit on clothes and people will buy it. So yeah, I was, I was really broke, really fucking broke. Uh, I don't even know how I ended up paying for that uh, apartment half of the time, um, <laughs> especially in New York. Yeah. Um, but I was just like, I'm gonna think of something so ridiculous and put it on a couple of t-shirts. That if it doesn't sell, I, I it, it, won't, it won't make sense if it doesn't sell. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah, towards the end of the world, we knew I started uh, cat clothing because I love cats, and that's that. The end. <laughs> um, Should also be uh, side noted that it's when you see the name, it's uh, like an acronym which stands for uh, cats and tits. So it's a, it's yeah. a clever play on words. I don't, I don't really talk about that much anymore because I want to be involved with different um, people, <laughs> companies and people that may not necessarily approve of that. <laughs> but do I, will I deny that that's what it stands for? No, of course. That is that is what it stands for. I love cats and I love tits and I thought it would be hilarious if I wrote or if I made it cat clothing, C-A-T, cats and tits clothing, like the end. Uh, so I was just like, I'll make a couple of funny shirts and if it sells, cool. And if it doesn't, well, I'm just an idiot because now I have four t-shirts with this on it. <laughs> um, and yeah, towards the end of the world, we knew I was starting to make a little bit of money off of that. And I also started uh, tour managing and doing merch for other bands that I became friends with over the years. Um, in like the last year of the world we knew's experience or existence, because um, we started to wind down a little bit. We didn't want to do like full-on touring anymore we didn't want to, well we wanted to tour a, a lot but we didn't want to start just touring for the sake of touring because when you start touring for the sake of touring oh, you're, you're kind of just you're, you're spinning your wheels in the mud it just doesn't it's not doing anything for you you just happen to be making two to five hundred dollars a night and playing in front of maybe a hundred people if you're lucky kind of thing you know what i mean right on tours where it's just not worth it um so yeah, I started Cat, and that started doing pretty well. And he started taking it on tour with other bands, and that's around the same general time where I got home from whatever tour it was, and I sat down with Tim and was like, yeah, we should probably kill off the world we do, because it, it's just not progressing like it should be. And um, skip a few months or whatever, we, we did that last tour that was, I don't know, mediocre at best and um yeah i mean it's, it's it's real life it's just it was mediocre uh people that really liked us came out and that's cool like it we i'll, I'll never forget that shit like it's super super cool but it, it was nothing like that blew our brains uh that blew our minds or whatever and um we ended that tour and i remember before the tour ended i got a weird phone call from a friend of mine who was like, hey, um, I I need a tour manager for something, but you've never done a bus tour before. I was like, no, I've been on a bus like maybe three times in my life, and it wasn't because I was touring on one. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, all right, well, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you're going to, if you're cool with it, you're going to tour manage Bam Margera from Jackass. I need somebody who knows what they're doing, knows how to settle a show, knows how to get money and, you know, handle, handle somebody. And I was just like, dude, I don't, 
I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I, was like I, I know what I'm doing, like as far as like my own band is concerned, but I don't have to worry about any of us. It's not like any of us are like crazy. <laughs> and uh, he he told me the the amount of money that I've been making weekly. And I was just like, yeah, no, I'm, doing, I'm cool. I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I was just like, I'll, I'll fly right now. Yeah, send me out there. And um, I'll never forget for as long as I live. I remember we we started, we, we ended the World We Knew Tour one week prior to our last show ever in our hometown in Long Island. And the tour for BAM started one day before our last show. Oh. So... So I started the sh- I started the tour. I-, I met up with them in Jersey, and I got on the bus, and we were going to um, Montreal, I think, maybe Quebec City. Mm-hmm. And we drove up to Quebec City. We did one show with Bam, one of the craziest nights of my entire life because I barely knew what was happening. <laughs> and I mean, you're with a you're with a celebrity, so it's just it's pure mayhem, right? And I got on a flight. Super early the next morning, flew to Long Island, played the last World We Knew show that was pretty pretty good. Um, and I remember I got up on stage, or uh, towards the end of the set, I was just like, tomorrow I'm flying back to Canada to start another tour, and I'm actually going to be making money for the first time in my life. <laughs> and everybody like thought that was hilarious because when you when you don't when you don't tour in a band. And you see somebody touring all the time, you're just thinking that they make money. At least that's what I fucking thought when I was younger kids looking up to man's. Right. Um, I was just like, and I remember I, I got off stage, the show ended, I said bye to all my friends, and I started the first bus tour I ever did, or ever, ever um, happened to be on, working on, the next morning after I flew out of my last show ever and I started making money for the first time like real money for the first time the day after my band broke up after nine years of being a band it's kind it of just, it, it's, it so just it's a weird serendipitous type thing to have it, it, the the fucking difference night and day literally in a, in a matter of 24 hours I for nine for nine years <clears throat> I worked harder than I've ever worked for anything in my life literally with with success not vast uh, vast success but with definite success three records over a bunch of years and created fans all over the world made relationships that I'll never ever ever take for granted but for nine years that happened and literally the day it ends I fly somewhere else and start a career that people have also been working for forever like that kind of thing you know what I mean yeah literally it just was handed to me out of nowhere <laughs> and I'll, I'll never understand how the how that worked or why it happened that way and that's what I've been doing since but I don't know it's is it hard sometimes to do some of these tours and you know, be around the environment, but doing it in a completely different manner. Like knowing that you're going to a show and you're on tour, but you're not the one performing. Is that kind of tough, or was that did that take a little bit of a adjustment to kind of get used to? Every single show I do, 
<laughs> no, no doubt about it. Literally none whatsoever. I I don't think about it anymore because I, it's easier to get through the day that way. Mm-hmm. But there's not a show that goes by. I don't care if there's fucking 14 people there or there's 1,400 people there. Um, there's not a day that goes by where I like I see my friends up on stage doing it, or even when I'm doing lights or whatever. Like you've seen me do lights before. Yeah. Um, I'm, there's not a day that goes by where I'm thinking like, oh yeah, I'd for sure rather be doing lights than playing on the stage. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, I I love doing what I do now, but um, I mean, my ego is my absolute worst enemy. It's 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 mind blowing that I've uh, actually um, that I've let myself still create my like still let my career as a tour manager or merch person or a light guy go this far without me really stepping back and then trying to play full time again it, I, I, I can't believe I've allowed myself to continue to do it like this because of how much I miss playing full time does uh I mean, I know you've played shows with your newer, at this point, band, uh, Oath. Um, but is it a thing where... Because, I mean, I, I've even noticed, like, since Oath has happened, I feel like some of the shows that you have done on the one-offs or whatever have been a little more higher profile, like gigs that you've gotten to do. Um, it, I feel like maybe that's a little bit more rewarding, that, like, you might be starting over with this other band, but the starting point is a lot further along than where you could have been trying to still slag it out in a different band. Maybe, yeah. maybe I'm wrong. That's just from an outsider's perspective. Yeah. It's, um, that's a really weird scenario for me as well. Um, I, I didn't start oath. It was called something else prior to me being in the band, but, um, it's a group of guys in Connecticut who had a band that wasn't doing anything, but they were young and knew out knew exactly what they were doing. Very good musicians. Um, and up the producer for the, the world we knew record to the wolves, uh, called me up and was like, Hey, I'm working with this band. They need a singer cause their singer sucks or whatever. <laughs> um, yeah, I, honestly, that's what it was. Uh, I don't know who it was or whatever, but apparently he sucked. And he sent me a song, and I was just like, "Oh God, this is good." <laughs> was that was the, like, were, were those were those songs the one that you had played for me? Going like, I think this is a band I might join. Was that yeah, yeah. The, those recordings? Yeah. Okay. Um, the song that they showed me first ended up being the song "Army of the Oath," which we made a music video for. Um, and I was like, "Fuck, that's really good," but I don't know if it's worth it for me to try this out because. I'm actually starting to do really well, at, you know, behind the scenes in the music industry, working, you know, as a tour manager or whatever. Um, but once again, my ego is my fucking worst enemy. And I was just like, you know what? Maybe we'll play some shows and we'll make a record. And maybe if I send this around to, you know, my agent, manager, friends, because uh, now I'm a little bit further along than I was with the world, with the world we knew, maybe, you know, we can get we can get picked up and maybe we can start all over again. I don't mind that. We'll start all over again, but it'll be higher profile and this, that, the other thing is I have these relationships and da 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 da. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I mean, you you know where it's going. You know where it's headed. Yeah. I mean, the same thing went down. It's like we put out – well, we didn't even put it out really, and that's my own fault because it's – I don't know if it's my own laziness or um, my own brain telling me that I'm a fucking fool. But um, – Shush. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but it, it's just we released some some demos or we, we, we didn't release it. We recorded some demos, some pre-production tracks, and I started sending it around and I got some I got some mild feedback. And I know when I get mild feedback, it's basically like, yeah, okay, who cares? <laughs> Even though I, I, if they say, oh, yeah, it's really good, well, it's not good enough for you to want to take it on, is it? Right. Nobody will say that. It, it's all, it's all, yeah, it's great. Keep it up. You know what I mean? It's, it's a front. That's, it's, yeah, it, that's just how it is. So I don't, I, I haven't pried, I haven't pried with anybody. I haven't tried to really stick it down their throats and be like, listen, just fucking say, say no, or say yes, say something. Right. I just, I know what it means. You know what I mean? Yeah. So with Oath, we, we did a lot in the first year. Well, when I say a lot, a lot within my touring schedule of what I do outside of playing now. Um, but we did a lot of festivals that a band in their first year could absolutely not do. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And main stages, and we traveled to different states, and we went to different, uh, like, faraway states and played, like, some big fucking high-profile uh, high festivals and like on the main stages and whatever. And I thought that would even do it. I thought like maybe, maybe they'll actually take it more seriously. Not the fans. I'm talking about behind. I want my whole, my whole goal with this band was do everything beside behind the scenes first. Right. Then, then I'll pull my favors with the people that I've worked with, all the promoters all over the country, whatever, whatever. We'll play these good shows. Uh, and we'll skip, we'll, we'll skip the first step. <laughs> the shitty, and, the shitty parts. Yeah, like, and you know what? It it, it kind of worked. Uh, yeah. we, were, we were we were doing a whole lot of shit, and then I mean, it's it. I'm not going to say it, it. Well, it is absolutely my fault. Um, we we stopped doing a lot of stuff because I thankfully am getting very good opportunities with my work career now, with my 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 life. But what benefits me as a person? Right. My bank. What benefits my bank account? Things like that started to happen, and fuck, I'm I'm very happy with that. I'm <laughs> very I'm very pleased that my dad tells me that I make more money than he did for a lot of his life. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm not ma- I'm not making some astronomical amount of money, but like to hear that from your father when you're when he's in his sixties and I'm in my late twenties, that that's kind of cool. You know what I mean? That's like a rewarding. A rewarding thing to hear. Um, so it's really it's a really hard pill to swallow on whether or not do I do I play or do I continue to grow my future? Because I know that if I play, there's like a ninety percent chance I don't have a future with the upsides of what I'm doing now. Does that make sense? No, it totally makes sense. Yeah. Kind of weird. I'm in the same boat ish with something I'm looking at doing within your your industry. 
and I yeah. have to wonder if it, if making the jump from the cushy job I have now is where I want to be, even though I'm probably not going to go anywhere else other than where I'm at, or if I want to kind of cash in and, and go all in on doing this other thing because it's something I've always wanted to do since I was a kid and trying to see how far I can push it. Yeah. So I totally fucking get it. You came to the conclusion and are doing it, though, uh, you're 28, like four years before me. So, <laughs> or actually, I guess yeah. even more, but more than that, because you've been doing it for a few years at this point. But it's it's just really like I sound I sound super depressed and like <laughs> and super jaded all at once. I think anyone, honestly, though, with having done this with a few different people in in various industries, whether it be tattooing, music, or something in a creative, artistic manner, I think everyone kind of gets to that point because either. You know, you're it's the the constant beating yourself or beating yourself over the head trying to to make progress and whatever, and it's just not going to happen. Or there's something you do to deviate from the the path that you're on that's not working, and then you find the success. But then it also comes with a bit of a price where you're like, well, I didn't do this the way I wanted to. It's not in. It's like a catch twenty two. I I'm. It's like you're you know you're touring. You're doing what you wanted to do. You're just not doing it in the capacity that you wanted to do it in. So it's like, yeah, yeah. It's it's a strange feeling to achieve a dream. <laughs> yeah, it's it really is because I did for many years exactly what I wanted to do, and I'm continuing to do what I want to do now. But it's not exactly what I want to do. Does that that make sense? Right? Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. It's. For a long time, I achieved, um, I achieved things that people would fucking kill for. And there's people out there with like my my lyrics tattooed on their bodies and shit like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's people that come out and see me on tours all the time that ask me. They're like, they see me and they're like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" I loved the world we knew, and that's super cool for me. But then I'm like, they like walk away and they go enjoy the show <laughs> that they're at. You know what I mean? That I'm also working. <laughs> And I'm like, fuck, man. Like, I would love to play now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Still, it, it's bittersweet. I did, ex- I did exactly what I wanted to do, and I'm, I'm super thankful for that. Um, but now it's I'm super torn between still pursuing that dream or making my career, which is very much obtainable, which I didn't think was when I first started. Um, uh, making it a, even a bigger and better reality than it was last year or the year before that when I first started, you know, tour managing in general or doing merch or lights or whatever. Was still there? Yeah. Okay. It sounded like a weird spot to end, so I was like, oh, shit, did I lose him? Um, I guess to kind of start wrapping it up, um, looking back... What is, what is like one of the, what are what is one of the memories that you have that you you're still in awe of? That like, holy shit, I can't believe blank happened or I was able to do this. <laughs> I think oh. I, I almost think I know what it might be, but I don't want to be like, oh, it's this, and then you'd be like, what? It, what do you think it is? Because I don't, I'm not sure what it is. You know, honestly, for me, because and we haven't even talked about this, and this could be a whole another episode at a future time. But I feel like it would maybe be having Tommy Dreamer be in your video. 
and putting you through it, like wrestling with you? No. No? No. That was just me. That was me just sending out weird emails. <laughs> that, like, that wasn't even a hard thing to obtain. I like, just, I, like, I love I love wrestling more than I love most things, but that no, I hate that video. I, well, <laughs> it's, I don't necessarily mean the video itself or the song or any of that. Just literally getting to hang out with someone that you probably were a big fan yeah, of. Yeah, no, that was that was super cool. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I can't even complain about. Well, I'm not complaining at all about <laughs> it. Um, the The video was just super, super dumb, and we didn't put enough planning into it, but. That day was really fun, um, but that yeah, that was that was just me being like, "What can we do to make this video stand out a little bit more? Let's just get a wrestler. For <laughs> <game>. <laughs> Let's just get a wrestler to beat us up." <laughs> it was so fucking dumb, but <laughs> so much fun. Um, anyway, uh, there there's not really a specific moment that I think stood out above the rest. Um, Hatebreed is still one of my favorite bands of all time, um, and we've toured with them a couple of times, and I can call a couple of those guys friends. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether we talk every day or not, of course, you know, we don't. Uh, I don't talk every day with, I think, anybody, uh, even my best, best, best friend. Um, but, we, you know, I toured with them a bunch of times, and that's pretty cool uh, as far as my childhood uh, fanboy moments would be, I guess. But, um... I think just in general, like going, I think we've we've played almost every state in the entire country. I know I've been to all, uh, to every state except for Hawaii and Alaska, but I think we've played in every single state with the exception of North Dakota. <laughs> they, have a, I, they have a great I've, metal scene, I hear. <laughs> I've I've been, I've been there, but I don't think we've played there. Um, so I think it, it was very interesting over a course of time to literally uh, one way or another being at a show, playing a show in every single state multiple, multiple times and having people know the words that I wrote in my, my, in my room or whatever, you know, uh, like songs I wrote about fucking like my mom being on drugs and how awful my teen years were because of it. Like, and then people somewhere in the world being like, yeah, I had that same problem. Like, that's fucking cool. Um, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of vocalists or people in bands say that, but... Um, Doesn't make it not true, though. That is, yeah, that's the absolute truth. Um, whether whether I act like it matters to me a lot, like, if somebody comes up to me and it's like, oh, I love, I love your old band or whatever. And, like, you know, it's... I've heard that a lot, and I don't, I don't dislike it any... Or I don't... Um, I don't appreciate it any less because I've heard it a lot. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't appreciate it any less because I've heard it a lot. Um, but whether I, whether I show that emotion uh, to that, to said person, it depends on my mood that day. You know what I mean? Right. But in the grand scheme of things, I, I fucking, I give a shit for sure. Uh, so I guess that's, that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, I don't have a, a, a definite time or a definite moment that made me feel, uh, I don't even know, a certain way, but or um, I liked more than the others, that stands out above the others, but as a whole, the fact that, that, that there were people 
everywhere that I went on tour in nine years with that band uh, that basically started that career and the career that I'm in now um, to go everywhere and have people know who I, who we were and who I am and et cetera, whatever. Uh, that's, that's what stands out to me for sure. Any, any last things maybe you'd like to like to say, or I don't know, I'm trying to figure out a, a, a good way to wrap it up, but it's kind of hard um, to, uh, Go buy shit at your clothing company. Go to see you when you're on whatever tour, maybe. Or oh yeah, I'm I'm very approachable uh, <laughs> anywhere <laughs> for the most part. Um, you can, I mean, and anybody who potentially listens to this. Um, I tour a lot uh, this year. I'll be working a lot for Amur. Um, so anytime they're touring, anywhere they're touring, I'll probably be there. Um, I run Cat Clothing, which is catclothing.net, and then Cat Clothing on any social media platform. Um, come and talk to me. I do not mind whatsoever. Uh, if there's a band playing and you're trying to scream in my ear, I'll probably think you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, other than that, uh, I hate John Cena. <laughs> he usually runs uh, promo codes, so if you are an avid wrestling fan and you like any of his stuff, and John Cena loses, which doesn't happen often, uh, there usually yeah, his, be a code. his career is winding down. Well, you so know that's what they say. He hasn't been wrestling as much, so I, I mean, I haven't done that in a while. But well, he's got uh, sure. he's got the Bella army to take care of now. Fuck that, Jesus! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean. Um, I'm stoked to be doing what I'm doing, but I, I do miss playing. Uh, but anybody who wants to come chat with me about what they maybe should or should shouldn't do with their bands or whatever, I certainly do not have the right answers. <laughs> <laughs> but I can probably give you a good idea of the right way to go within what you're trying to do. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I <laughs> I've done it. Uh, probably didn't make all the right decisions, but I think I have a pretty good grasp on how to handle it nowadays. <laughs> that's that's all you can really do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I thank you for your time, and uh, I'll let you get back to beating some ass on UFC and uh, petting your cat. Yeah, there's a cat on my lap as we talk. Oh, I'm sure. And for the first 15 minutes of this podcast, I was still playing UFC. <laughs> well, it's been uh, good talking to you, and I'll uh, leave it uh, at this.